When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just try not to worry, you'll beat us someday. We beat you at home, we'll beat you away. Stop crying, be Elsa. <laughs> oh, I'm dying. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, episode 23. Stop crying, be Elsa. I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. How are we doing, fella? Yeah, not bad. Thank you, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. And we're joined on the podcast today by Dean Mears. Dean, how are we doing, son? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. No worries. It is an absolute pleasure having you on. Obviously, you are at the game last night, so we'll get into that. But obviously, uh, as always with first-time guests, I sort of get him to introduce himself. Now, Dean is, you know, probably quite well known on Chelsea Twitter. He's a columnist for Chelsea Fancast, columnist for CFC UK. You also hear him on the Chelsea Fancast occasionally. But, Dean, you've also started your new podcast about the Chelsea women's team. So do you want to, I guess, tell the listeners what that's all about? Yes, I sort of uh, went to Mo Kings Meadows, published through Chelsea Fancast. So if you do want to listen, just subscribe um, to them. Uh, basically, I wanted to sort of follow the women's team a bit more. Sort of the club's pushing them, you know, one club, one vision sort of policy at the moment. And there wasn't really any podcast about. So I spoke to my uh, cousin, Jane, who's a season ticket holder for the women's team, said, let's start a podcast this was on a Saturday and we recorded on the next Tuesday. Sort of just came around so quick and, you know, people seem to be enjoying it and, yeah, it's going well. Nice one. Make sure you check out their podcast and make sure you follow them on Twitter. The socials will be in the description, right? It was a great week for Chelsea Football Club. We secured top spot in the Champions League with a 4-0 win against Sevilla. They were in for a Giroud awakening with Oli G banging four goals past them in the process. And then Dirty Leeds came back into the picture and we beat them 3-1 as we go, well, temporarily top of the league. Uh, we'll start with the Sevilla 4-0, boys. Obviously, there were nine changes and pre-kickoff, I was not too best. I was not best pleased with the, the lineup chosen, considering we were seeing Emerson Christensen and Rudiger in the back. But what do I know? I'm clueless. Um, Giroud got four goals. Uh, he's rather good, isn't he? Jack? Yeah, come, come in, like, giving him his first start and... He gobbled the chance up. Um, it, yeah, great to see him play last night as well. But he was he was quality the other day. Left foot, right foot, header, and a pen to top it off. Can't ask for much more than that from him. And you just you can just see how much of a professional he is. Um, been away from the starting team for quite a while, even though he was quality after the after the restart. Um, so he's probably a bit miffed to not be getting more minutes than than he has been, but that just shows what, what he's like as a character. Um, and, yeah, hopefully hopefully he'll keep banging them in. Yeah, obviously, you know, Dean, we saw nine changes to the team. That included a start for Kai Havertz. He obviously set up the first goal. and You know, it was a pretty solid game. What did you sort of make of Kai Havertz's performance against Sevilla midweek? Yeah, I think sort of the European games are going to suit him a lot better because it's you know much more tactical. He's going to get bit more time to sort of do his thing than he will in the Premier League. You know, he's showcasing 
flashes of that talent. You know, I said last night, I think he might need a season domestically, but you know, I think we've got a very special player. Yeah, agreed. Agree there. Um, I guess on two leads, really, we saw bigged up Oli Giver. Dean was at the game, which is why one of the main reasons I wanted to get him on. He was one of the lucky 2,000 fans inside Stamford Bridge, and it didn't get off to the greatest start. Patrick Bamford scored. I was on a, I got asked on a Leeds sort of podcast a few days before to ask my about the game. I said we'd win 3-1. And I also said I'm not convinced about Patrick Bamford's quality in the Premier League. So I basically jinxed him into scoring against us. But we responded really well to that. One of the key themes, I think, of this season is this team doesn't really seem to suffer many setbacks. And it was, you know, I thought the first half, very open, you know, a bit too open probably for our liking. Um, but we did get that equalising goal with a brilliant Reese James cross for Olivier Giroud. Um, Dean, obviously, I guess it's your, you know, the first game back since fans brought out back in. What was it like seeing this new Chelsea team in the flesh? Because up to now, we've just seen it on our TV. How did it feel to be there, see it in the flesh? Yeah, it was great. You, sort of, you see things that obviously you miss on the television because you're following the ball. You can see sort of the whole pitch. You can focus on a player you want to focus on. And you can see sort of the stuff they do off the ball that often goes unnoticed when you're watching on television. You know, the support for Frank Lampard online is is quite vocal. You know, in the ground, it's 10 times that. And there's just a joy about watching this team. They're just so focused on you know, attacking their attack really well. Even before Bamford scored, we looked really good going forward and sort of given an opportunity that he never got in these five years at Chelsea to score at Stamford Bridge. I think that was just for um, old time's sake for Bamford. But, you know, like you said, they responded really well and the character in the team comes from the manager and, you know, that emanates through the fans as well, through the stadium. Yeah. Could you sort of hear the players as well, more so than, than ever? Could you hear them communicating between themselves? Yeah, so obviously when the game sort of stops, someone goes injured, the, the crowd goes like silent and you can hear everything they're saying. It's really weird. Half time, you even heard the bell for when the players have to come back out. Um because no one's really about and this, you know, you can hear them sort of communicating and you can tell who the vocal players are, how Silva communicates with the team, what Mendy's like, and especially Frank on the sideline. You know, he's, he's really vocal. Yeah, obviously the second half started and it was pretty much one-way traffic. Leeds didn't really have a foothold in the game. We dominated, we created chances. Vernon missed a glorious opportunity as he did in the first half to put, put us in the lead. But we did eventually take the lead. A brilliant Mason Mount delivery for Kurt Zuma to head home. And then eventually late on, Timo Werner set up Christian Pulisic for us 3-1 up and secure the three points. A winning return for the fans at Stamford Bridge. A great experience for Dean, I'm sure. Before we get into the questions, I do want to focus on a couple of individuals from last night. Firstly, Mason Mount. Jack, in my opinion, that may be a bit hyperbolic, but I think that was his best performance in a Chelsea shirt. I think the stats said he created seven chances or whatever the most in the game this season a player's created. He was just everywhere last night, wasn't he? And he could have had more assists. Yeah, definitely. He was quality. I mean, uh, noticeable last night, but still, he's so consistent now. You just expect that from him now. Um, and yeah, probably is one probably is one of his best performances. I think when we played Spurs at uh, uh, at their new stadium that was probably maybe just edges it because it's a bigger game um, 
but yeah, no, absolutely quality. Again, like you said, creating seven chances, I think for a Chelsea players, that's the most uh, in five seasons or something like that. Um, and the boy's just a, just a joy to watch. 21 years old and he's only going to get better. Yeah. Obviously, Dean, you know, you're on Twitter. We know Mason Mount is perhaps a, a target for certain people on Twitter, but Abergrand, we know he is universally loved. What was sort of the reaction, sort of the appreciation to Mason Mount at the ground last night? Yeah, he sort of got one of the biggest cheers when his name was read out in the, in the team sheet before the game. You know, you see what he does on the pitch. Um, you know, if you come through Chelsea's academy, your technical ability is, is right up there. Everything he does off the ball, you know, is superb. And what I've noticed with Mason in the last few weeks, he's getting a bit more involved, you know, putting himself up about a bit. You know, he pushed that um, Seville defender out of the way when he was um, stepping up to one of the players. He was in the Leeds players' faces quite a lot um, last night as well, sort of, you know, putting himself about. And if there's one player in the team that should look at Mason Mount, it's probably Kai Havertz, you know, to get that side of his game. Because Mason's got it. Maybe Kai is superior technically and maybe more of a generational player that people like to say. But unless he has that sort of streak that Mason's got, then the Premier League's not going to work for him. Yeah. And obviously... You know, the next person I sort of wanted to talk about was Christian Pulisic. I thought against Sevilla, he sort of tried a bit too hard midweek. He looked a bit rusty. Uh, it just wasn't his night. But he obviously, he came on for Hakim Ziyech, who unfortunately went down injured with a hamstring last night. And I thought that was, we sort of saw the Christian Pulisic we saw after Project Restart last year. He was lively. He was causing Leeds problems. And eventually, you know, he got a deserved goal at the end of uh, the game. Jack, what did you make of Christian's performance last night? Yeah, better than the other day. The other day, I was getting a bit frustrated, to be honest. He just, there was one the other day, he should have switched it to Callum, just kept dribbling. It's like, you've done you've done so well from the start, just release the ball. Um, but no, last night was good. Um, it's nice to see him get the ball and taking people on, because um, that's what he does best. Um, and then, yeah, just, just, just was... Um, Got his um, deserved goal at the end there, um, which I think will do him uh, uh, give his confidence, uh, give him a lot of confidence going forward. Because um, it looks like with Ziyech being out injured, it will be most likely be him who's going to be starting these next few games. So yeah, he needed that. Yeah, obviously you know Christian Pulisic. You know we sort of missed out as fans in the stadium. We sort of missed out on his best form after Project Restart. But when he was, you know playing well last autumn, there was definitely sort of an excitement around him at the bridge and, you know, certainly a player that gets the fans off their seats. Was it again similar last night for you in the stadium watching Christian Pulisic on the ball? Yeah, he sort of got the crowd going as soon as he come on and, you know, it took him a little while to get into the game but as soon as he swapped swapped wings with um, Timo Werner, you know, he sort of came alive in the game and he's such a threat and he's unlike the other wingers that he will, you know, get the ball and he will just run at defenders and, and cause problems. And perhaps him being there and being that frame behind opened up space in the second half for the likes of Werner to, to get that goal. You look at the ground he made up as well to, to get that third goal. You know, sensational and you know, that's what he's all about. And he's going to be a, a big player for us if he stays fit. Yeah. The final player mm-hmm. I wanted to mention was Reese James. Jack, it seems like we're just basically mentioning this boy every single week on the podcast. The step up he's made from last season where we, in at the start of this season, when we still sort of were unsure about him defensively at times, he just looks like yeah. an absolute rock at the back, doesn't he? Yeah, he's he's been class. I mean, obviously we've said it loads of times before, when you're keeping someone like Azpi out the team who's been 
brilliant for us for eight years or whatever and puts in a seven out of ten performance every single week to be keeping him out of the team's just testament to what he's doing. Um yeah, defensively I'll just yeah, improves improves so much this season. Um and then you know what he's got going forward, just that's why he's playing, I think, to be honest. Um we've seen Aspi trying to trying to whip crosses him for years and getting frustrated, but he puts them pretty much on the money, I'd say nine out of ten times. And the ball into Giroud was just perfect. That's what Ollie loves. We'll love that, just going in near post. And that was a quality finish from him as well. Yeah, uh, again, sort of, Dean, you know, I guess I, I still feel like I'm asking you some of the questions, but again, sort of similar reaction like the crowd whenever Reese gets on the ball, seeing a full a fullback, you know, run down the wing and whipping across, get, gets the people excited. Yeah, I mean, as soon as the Forsyth went off, as soon as he got the ball, sort of come a bit more central, you know, fans are screaming at Reese to get down the line and Reese is more than happy to oblige and do that. And his cross to Drew was obviously, you know, perfect and something they obviously work on because Drew was making that run before James got his head up to get the ball in the box. And, you know, like you said, he's been fantastic this year and he's an absolute unit as well. You know, yeah. how big he is, he's huge. There's a moment in the second half with the Leeds bench where they threw the ball to him. He just like bounced it off his shoulder straight back at them <laughs> and stared about three of their coaching staff out. Everyone just sat down, just let Reese get on with it. <laughs> but yes, yeah. like you said, to keep Asby out, you've got to be a special special player and he's definitely that. Yeah, that time-wasting shit house is exactly what we like to see <laughs> late on in a game. Right, we're going to... Can we can we not are we not going to mention Kurt Zuma? Come on, surely. Yeah, all right, Ben. All right, well, I've got to mention Zuma. First question: Is Kurt Zuma going to sco- outscore Anthony Martial this season? <laughs> Four goals for Big Kurt. <laughs> but the way we're going from corners, I think we've got we scored seven from corners this season already. Only got that amount last season, and we've got scored four more than any other team this season from corners. So. I mean, if Mason keeps putting them in on the money in that area, the bloke, like Reese, is an absolute unit. He'll be out, out bullying a lot of players and getting his head on the end of those. So we'll just have to see. But I've, it's been great. It's been great for him. Um, it's been great for him to be getting on the score sheet as much as he does. And it's it's kind of reminds me of when when we last won the league. We had like Gary Cahill. I think he got I think he got about seven goals that season. So if people like him can get up to numbers near that and are contributing like that, it's only going to be a good thing for us. And I mean, I saw he, he's he's scored four goals this season, and that's as many as Arsenal have scored in the in the last two months. <laughs> yeah, if you ever you want to know the direct different contrasting <laughs> fortunes of those two football clubs, look no further. Obviously, actually, you reminded me about talking about Sebastian. Obviously, you know Thiago Silva has been immense for us so far this season. Dean, what's it like sort of seeing, you know, a player we've seen in an opposition jersey for PSG down the years, but what's it like seeing him back in a Chelsea shirt and actually just seeing him in the flesh at Stamford Bridge? The thing that just sort of struck me most with, with Silva, you can just, you can see his intelligence. So you can see the, the brain working before the ball's to him. He knows where to be. He's marshalling everyone else around. Him and Reese have got a really good relationship. When he went down injured, Reese was the first player there. When there's a break, Reese is the first player with Silver talking to him about what's going on. I think that's helped Reese's game immensely. But you can see the sort of leadership he has. He's got the armband as well. The players really respect him. They really respond to him. 
and you know, like I said, when you can see a player's intelligence, you know, that's for me, you know, a, a major thing that we've missed at the back for some years, you know, since JT in his prime. Yeah. Tiago Silva, what a signing. Right, we're going to get on to the questions that the listeners sent in. First question comes in from RJ. He asked, what did you make of the performance in the midfield? Obviously, the starting midfield was N'Golo Kante, Mason Mount and Kai Havertz. Um, Jack, what did you sort of make of, the, I guess, all those individuals' performances? I know we sort of touched upon Mason already, but the other two. Um, I think... Havertz struggled, to be honest. Like Dean was saying, in the Premier League, it's just so fast and people are onto you straight away. It's it's difficult for him to get the ball down and do what he wants to do. Um, unlike in severe like Spanish teams, whatever, German teams, he'll have time on the ball. Um, so, yeah... I think I think he's just struggling at the moment. We've seen we've seen glimpses of him of the class he's got, but he's yet he's yet to really have a a top quality game from from what I've seen anyway. That's my opinion. Uh, others might think different, but um, it's one of those. I think he just needs he needs his time. He's just come back from his illness, so he's not going to be a hundred percent. So yeah, I think just give give the lad some time and he'll get there because. As we said, we've we've seen what he can do. Um, Kante just does what Kante does, really, doesn't he? Um, and then, yeah, Mason was quality. I mean, I think first half we we did struggle a bit in the midfield, um, but second half all over them. And then I thought when Kovacic came on, he was he was quality again. He really was just the way he can take the ball and just drive out of defence into attack. We saw it for. Uh, Pulisic's goal at the end so I mean I won't be surprised if it's if it's him starting over Havertz in a few in the next few games to be honest but we'll have to see yeah um, Dean the thing I guess that struck me was Kai Havertz is a player who likes a lot of time on the ball and the one game this season Premier League you're probably not going to get time ball is against Leeds and that side and we did see him lose the ball a couple of times in dangerous areas again sort of going about what did you sort of make of I guess his performance and then also you know elaborating on Jasper's about Mateo Kovacic's impact off the bench yeah I think unfortunately for for Havertz you know Leeds made him look lazy and supporters around me definitely thought that you know his passes were so lacklustre in in some cases other instances like rarely he got the ball and, and did take good with it other times you know he was, they were on him so quickly yeah, it did make him look lazy. And I, I'd never thought I'd hear supporters in Stamford Bridge say, we need Mateo Kovacic on the pitch. They don't normally rate him or Jorginho, but people were asking for, for Kovacic and he came on and he was sensational again. As Jack said, you know, for me, he's one of the best midfielders in the league. Uh, what he does, he's absolutely fantastic. And when we've got games like this with Leeds, teams that are going to run and hound you, you know, leave Havertz as an option off the bench. You know, what an option to bring on. But to keep the game tight in midfield, because we struggled the first half, Leeds transitioned the ball so quickly and, and Havertz wasn't up to that. And it, it, we did struggle. But, you know, when Kovacic came on, Leeds looked like, you know, a newly promoted team rather than a team that's going to, you know, be in the top half of the league this year. Yeah, yeah. Mateo Kovacic seems to be getting better as the season goes on. He obviously did assist one of Olivier Giroud's goals in midweek against Sevilla, which was very nice to see. Uh, second question from RJ is, how many minutes slash games do you think Callum will get from now until the new year? Obviously, he's missed the last two 
Premier League games. He's not been in the last two Premier League match day squads, but he has started the last two Champions League games. So I guess the question is, uh, I'll give this one to you, Dean. How many minutes or games now do you think we'll see with, from Callum to the new year? Now, especially obviously given that Hakim Ziyech is going to be injured for a period of time. Well, we definitely get two, Krasnodar and Morecambe. You know, it depends on the draws, I suppose. I don't know why. You know, Frank does rate him, but doesn't trust him. Maybe you know he's he's going to get games. Maybe not as many as he wants. I struggled to put a number on it because you don't know who we're going to draw in cup competitions. But if you've got another ten to fifteen sort of appearances, I don't think he'll grumble too badly because he's not sort of produced anything that's sort of gone. Well, now I have to play. You know, he's he's done well, but he's not been made a statement sort of like Giroud has against Seville. You know, he had to play against Leeds because he scored four goals. Whereas Hudson Odoi, it's, you know, yeah, you've done well again, but there's players ahead of you still. So, you know, he's just got to keep working and take the chances. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, next question comes in from Maria, who asks, which performance do you think was best, the severe one midweek or the one against Leeds? For me, it's Leeds. Um, Jack? Um, yeah, probably against Leeds, but I was more imp- I was more impressed with the one on Wednesday, given the team that went out. To be honest, I I thought every player played played quality. They played for the shirt. That that's the that's the main thing. Um, those players haven't been given many minutes, and they've come in and put in a proper shift, which shows shows what training's going to be like down at Cobham. And how everyone is on it, and everyone's buying into what Frank what Frank wants to bring to the plate. So I think I was more impressed with with Wednesday night, and I mean a four nil win in uh, away from home in the Champions League against any team is is a quality result. Yeah, we've had two of them in the group stages this season as well. <laughs> um, Dean, which performance was more impressed for you? Obviously, I guess it might be a slight bias considering you were actually at the Leeds game and got to see this team in the flesh. Yeah, I think I'd just I'd edge for Leeds. I really like the the midweek win against Sevilla, especially with the amount of players that come in. It looked like they've been playing together all season rather than just you know, a one-off game. But you know the level that they played, especially in the second half, you know they look like a team that are going to go on and, and challenge this year for sure. So yeah, for me, Leeds. Fair enough, fair enough. I will just say I will give special praise to Emerson, who I thought was quality at left back against Sevilla, and he is a player who I'm not the biggest fan of and don't particularly rate the credit where credit's due. He had a stormer against Sevilla, as did Christensen, as did Tony Rudiger. Uh, okay, next question. Dean comes in specifically mentioning you. James asks, Dean, did you think it was a pretty performance last night? I'll give you some context that I okay. said that the Real Madrid kit was pretty. Oh, James right. gave me a bit of stick for using that word. Um, you know, I'll just remind him when he's going to listen that it's 2020 now. And, you know, always can be pretty in, in white and pink. <laughs> yeah, it was a very pretty performance from Chelsea. Like, especially second half was a bit more gorgeous, but pretty all round. Nice one. Nice. Um, <laughs> Jesse asks, question for you, Dean, again. How did it feel to be in a more intimate setting within Stamford Bridge? Obviously, you know, 2,000 pounds, a lot different to the 42,000 that would be there normally. What, what was the sort of 2K experience like? Because certainly on the, on the TV, I've sort of noticed for fans probably more than usual, to be honest. To be honest, I didn't, I didn't really notice when the game was on that there was just 2,000 fans in the stadium. You know, the, the game was quite intense. That helped. 
um, that it was you were so involved in the game. Um, I don't know what it'd be like against, say, West Brom, when you know, there's not sort of a rivalry, a stoic rivalry. You know, everyone in that stadium for the first game was was bang up for it, and you know, it was like being in a full house in in some ways. You know, the moments when the game dies down a bit, you could hear the players a lot more. Um, you heard the halftime whistle at halftime that you don't normally do. They made an announcement about um, fans standing up and they hadn't turned the volume down, obviously, from when it's normally a full capacity stadium. And it was like the speaker was two speakers in your ears. It was that loud. It was just unnecessary. But you know, like I said, for, for when the game was on, you don't notice that there's no other fans in there. It felt like a, you know, a full house. Fair enough. A uh, follow-up to that was from Comic. He said, what was sort of the mood around the stands? How does everyone feel about the season? Obviously, I guess, you know, you're socially distant from people on the ground, but, you know, they're bound to maybe bump into a few people. You know, their conversations have... You, you talk to people when you're at football. What was sort of the mood you sort of gauge from being in the crowd last night? Yeah, everyone sort of very positive about, you know, the team and, and what they're doing. You know, because it was the first game, even the stewards were nice to you. You know, they were talking to you as you come up the stairs. You know, you, you spoke to everyone who was around you, like in the, in the seats near you, you know, about sort of the team and the, the game as it was going on. Everyone that supports Chelsea loves Frank Lampard, loves his team. You know, they certainly helped me fall in love with them again. You know, they're, they're fantastic and the mood is, is so positive from everyone that was in the ground. Fair enough. Uh, Jesse, second question. I guess one to you, Jack. Do you think we can finish December unbeaten and which one of our fixtures will be the biggest challenge? In this month, obviously, looking at the fixtures, we've got yeah. Everton, Wolves, Arsenal, Aston Villa and West Ham in December, I believe. Not necessarily in that order. Yeah. What game do you think will be the biggest challenge around? Can we finish December unbeaten? Um, it's a tough one. There's some, there's some difficult games in there. I think I've said it before. Come out of those ones and then City on the 2nd of Jan. After that, I think we'll be able to see where our season's heading. Um, but, I mean, we always struggle at Everton away. Um, I know they've had a few poor results recently, but they'll be up for that, especially Ancelotti as well. Um, I don't, yeah. And then, I mean, they're all difficult games, to be honest. Um, whether we can be unbeaten. I mean, the way we're playing, we're 15 unbeaten at the moment, so I don't see why not. But, um yeah, there's some difficult games in there, so we'll have to see. But I'm I'm backing the boys. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. What we like to hear. The next question comes in from Concierge of Crime from us. What's the plan moving forward with Olivier Giroud? Has he now become our second choice striker short term, or should he leave in January and have Tammy as our backup? Given how Pulisic is back to full fitness and Werner will probably be our centre forward in the long term, Dean. I think, for me, Werner's best with a with a centre forward he can play off, um, and Giroud has obviously got that experience and fantastic. I don't think he's got the legs to play week in week out. You know, there's so many games in such a small amount of time that I don't think there is a second third choice. I think it's just you know, you're fit for this game, you're fit for the next game, and they'll interchange accordingly. Especially the injuries the wingers keep getting. It's time for Werner up front is going to be limited, especially if he doesn't want to play Hudson Odoi. You know, it's always going to be Werner is that choice. So you know, like last season, Drew made himself first choice in the running. Tammy had that great start. 
I think Tammy's a much better player this season. I think Giroud's still got the quality, but like I said, there's so many games that I don't think there's a first and second choice there. I think it's just it depends who's the fittest on the day. Fair enough. Um, I'll give this one to both of you. What did Anna ask? What did you make of Timo Werner's performance? Because obviously it was a frustrating night for Timo in front of goal. Missed a lot of good opportunities. Jack, our mate Louis seems to have jinxed him. I think after Burnley, he said, Timo, don't miss, Timo, don't miss big chances. I don't think he scored since. Um, yeah. <laughs> what did you make of his performance, Jack? I mean, the most positive thing about it is you can see C's having a tough time uh, putting it in the net at the moment. Um, and people are getting on to him. But he's he still finished that game with an assist against Newcastle, still finished the game with an assist. So he's still uh, still bringing contributions to the team. So, I mean, you, I don't think you can get uh, get on his back too much. Um, it, he'll be disappointed with, especially that, I mean, the first one yesterday, how he's cleared that off the line, I, I have no idea. But the second one, especially, it's quality ball from, from Mason. Um, I... I didn't know how he how he missed that. He's got to stick that in the back of the net. Um, and I was worried that was going to kill us at the end of the game. I was worried they were going to get a chance to make it two all. Um, but I think I think it's one of those with him. Once he gets that goal, I mean, it's similar with a lot of strikers in any any uh, any level of football. Once he gets one, I think he'll go on a run of getting quite a few. Um, so we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll see if if he's playing on the wing as well more. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. I, I I think I think yeah. One. I just think once he gets one, he'll go on a decent run. Fair enough. Obviously, you know, Dean seeing Timo Werner in the flesh, and obviously at the ground, you do perhaps notice things you don't necessarily see watching at home on the TV. What did you sort of think of his performance last night? Yeah. For me, at the, at the game, it was sort of like he's two steps ahead of everyone, of everyone else. You know, he, he constantly making these runs. Not one person's looking for him, and he, he sort of gets a bit frustrated about that. And you know, the one player that that might unlock that is Billy Gilmore. You know, someone that studied Tess Fabregas for such a long time. But if he wasn't getting chances and he wasn't missing chances, then I'd be worried that he's not doing anything. Uh, and like Jack said, to finish with an assist, you know, shows that. He's got quality. I mean, he scored goals already this season. You know, it will be one of those things, you know, one will come along and it will be two straight after and three and four. He's a fantastic footballer and he will get chances every game and he will score goals more than he misses, in my opinion. You know, he's a very good player. But as soon as they start matching up their wavelengths on the pitch and understanding what he can do from that wide area, you know, he'd be more lethal for sure. Yeah, next question comes in from Carlos. If Hakim is out injured for a bit, uh, who replaces him on the right, Jack? Um, I was thinking about this one earlier. This is difficult because, like Dean mentioned earlier, you saw the change when Pulisic went out out on the left. Um, And obviously Timo's been playing there a lot. when Frank's gone with Giroud or or Tammy, um, so we'll have to see. I think I think he'll go if he's playing Tammy or Giroud. I think he'll still go Werner and Pulisic, and then maybe they'll just keep uh, switching. Just see who has more joy down which side. Um, 
I can't. Yeah, I don't think he'll be starting Callum. Fair enough. Dean, any thoughts you want to add to that? Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be you know, for the for the main part, Werner on the right and, and Pulisic on the left. And then, you know, you just tell Rhys James to get forward as much as he can because Werner creates so much space on that flank for whatever side he's playing, the fullback can get forward so much. And we've got dangerous options in, in Chilwell and um, Rhys James. So I don't think it's a major concern who really plays there. Fair enough. And guys, we'll be back in part two to continue answering York. We all fucking hate Leeds. We all hate Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds. Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds. Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds. We all fucking hate Leeds. Welcome back to part two. We're still answering your questions. And the next question comes in from Kamal. It's follow up to a question he's previously submitted. Are we prime Brazil yet? Jack? Uh, not quite. I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Not quite, but we're, we're playing some quality football. Like, like, like we saw with the first goal yesterday, some, and most of the goals we're scoring at the moment, um, everyone seems to be getting a touch before, before it gets put in the back of the net. The build-up play has been, been class. Um, I just think we've got, to, we've got to go and make something of the season if we want to call ourselves prime Brazil. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, don't want to get too carried away. We've seen very good Spurs sides play some very good stuff and ultimately fall short the final hurdle. So we can't, I don't want to get too carried away with this team yet, but there are certainly, certainly encouraging signs. Uh, we sort of briefly discussed this on the last one about Fernand's performance, but his follow up, his legit question, he says, is, Timo seems to be having a tough time in front of goal, but still contributes with assists. Does it concern you? I mean, we've kind of already answered it. Uh, Jack? No, it doesn't concern me. Like I said, once he once he scores one, they're going to come thick and fast. So he just needs to get that first one, get the confidence up, and he'll be flying. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next question. We saw, Again, we saw briefly discussed, but I guess we'll go into more detail. It comes in from Nate. If I'll give it to you, one to you, team guys. Thoughts on sort of Havertz's performance? Do you think we're going to get we're going to get the best out of him in that attacking eight role? Obviously, you know, a lot of people, you know, the start of season four, two, three, one, you know, we saw him sort of in the 10. As a result, Mason would sort of be sacrificed out wide. Do you think we're getting the best out of him in that attacking eight role? But also, or also, is it too early to sort of say, really, given he's, you know, also just coming back from COVID? Yeah, I think you need to let him sort of find his feet again, get back up to speed. You know, I don't think we've got a midfield to play on a double pivot to get the best out of him as a 10 anyway. So even if eight's maybe not his best position, but, you know, I think an attacking eight will be better suited to him once he gets up to that sort of Premier League speed and the level that you need to be at consistently in, in the game to, to contribute. He's a big, you know, really big guy as well. He puts his body about. And once he starts doing that regularly and he knows sort of the speed, you know, he's going to be a, f a threat week in, week out from that eight position, especially with, you know, Mason and, and, and Kante behind him, sort of can sweep up a bit of the work for him going back rather than having to worry about being too deep. He can sort of be a eight slash 10 anyway with those two alongside him. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Last question comes in from Marv. It's a simple one. Will we win the title? Jack? Um, I might say what uh, Jay said the other week. Fuck it, why not? But <laughs> I think we just... 
we like you said, we don't we can't get carried away. It's still so early on. There's other teams that we need to be very wary of. Spurs Spurs are doing very well, pains me to say. Even even United, I know they've been playing poorly in the first half and then they flip and turn the gas on, on, on in the second. And they're if they win their game in hand, they're on the same amount of points as us. And you would not think that the the amount of attention they've been getting that they've been that they've been shit this season. Um, so, I mean, I I think the squad we have, we've got the potential to go and do it. Um, it's just we need to just keep picking up these results, keep going, taking a game at a time. I know I sound like one of the players here in a <laughs> post-match game, but take it a game at a time and. And I, I, I back the boys. I think we, we've got a good chance. Um, we'll be right up there. So, yeah. Fair enough. Dean, will we win the title? Look, nobody's going to run away with the title this year. So, somebody's got to win it. Um, you know, the boys on London is Blue, the American podcast, came out with a little saying. I've been trying to spread it over here as well. It's, why not us? You know, it's got to be someone. So, why not us? Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. As I say, Liverpool struggling with injuries this season. City not quite clicked yet, although we'll see if they click into gear. United, you know, you never know. Spurs look ominously good, but I'm, you know, wanna get don't want to get too carried away with them. So yeah, why not us? We've got a great chance. I think, you know, it is dependent on certain individuals staying fit. I think if Kante goes down, we are in trouble. Because I said to you, Jack, this like half time. This is a one game. Like I, I, you know, I quite like Jorginho, but this is a one game. If he comes on, we're struggling in that midfield because the pace in that game would just be a bit too much for him. But I think you know, fitness wise, if we keep N'Golo Kante fit, if Edouard Mendy stays fit, obviously Thiago Silva yeah. stays fit, then yeah, why No, Actually, yeah, you know, we didn't it's have the same. Yeah. yeah. It's the, it's same the same for, for other teams. teams. Look, yeah. if K- if Kane and Son get injured, Spurs are screwed. Um, and Kane gets injured once a season for the last three or four seasons. So we'll have to see if he can cope with it over the Christmas period. But I think it's just the same for every team. It's who, who can stay fit. And then if these players get injured, I think we've got one of the best squads. So, yeah. yeah. I You know, I mentioned Mendy just then actually going to ask Dean like I guess a final question uh, before we wrap up obviously you know being at the ground last season there was certainly like an anxiousness amongst the fans you know with us defending you know obviously with Kepish having a hard time how have again like you know it's a different scenario there's just 2,000 fans in but did you sort of notice like an ease like the fans feeling more comfortable with us sort of defending dangerous balls in and us trying to like you know for example that Leeds game was 2-1 right till the end was there sort of any sense of like nervousness or anxiety and sort of yeah, but also, I guess, the feeling around that defence with Edouard Mendy and going, the fans' confidence in Mendy. Yeah, obviously, there's always a couple of people that are a bit more nervous than others and let that be known um, loudly. But yeah, apart from, obviously, the mistake, the mix-up, the communication, even at 2-1, you're not thinking that Leeds are going to score. You know, weren't sort of worried that they're going to come back in this game and get a point from us. And you know that comes down to not just Mendy, but the the back four as a whole. They do look more solid. They look like, well, you can see them communicating with each other, being at the ground. There's a trust in in what they're doing, and the players trust each other. Always, you know, fist bumps and and handshakes and cuddles with each other every time they clear the ball. 
know they're, they're so proud of keeping the ball out of the net, and I think that's something that's really been driven into them this year, especially because last year, every time they attacked, we had an attack against us, we conceded a goal, and this year there's certainly a, a camaraderie between the players at the back to say, you know, you're not going to get past us easily, aside from Bamford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. That wraps up this episode of That Chess Podcast. I want to thank Dean for coming on. Obviously, obviously Dean's on Twitter. So, Dean, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Dean Mears. Nice and at, easy. And where can they follow the new Chelsea Women's Podcast? We are at Mo Kings Meadow on Twitter. Uh, at Went to Mo Kings Meadow on Instagram. And then all the podcasts are through Chelsea Fancast. Yeah, guys, make sure you check them out. Obviously, you know, there's some great, you know, Chelsea women's content out there in terms of, you know, some of the guys at SW6 daily are doing. But in terms of an actual podcast, Dean is, I believe, the first, the one and only. He's certainly got a very niche market there. So if you've enjoyed listening to what Dean had to say on our podcast, you're interested in Chelsea women, go support the great work he's doing there i'm certainly a new listener and certainly taking more interest in the women's team who beat west ham 3-2 today so dean will be happy with that i guess on their new pod when that comes out so as always i want to thank dean for coming on dean it's been an absolute pleasure having you on mate yeah thanks sort of really enjoyed your podcast since you boys have started doing it and been listening sort of every week as soon as you send it over sort of get it on yes the beyond's a joy and you know keep doing the great work Cheers, man. Cheers, man. As for us, you can follow us on Twitter at that Chelsea Pod and on Instagram at that Chelsea Pod. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts as you do. Pass the pod along. We want to keep going. We want to try and reach as many Chelsea fans as we possibly can. And until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Just try not to worry. You'll beat us someday. We beat you at home. We'll beat you away. Stop crying, Bielsa. <laughs> Oh, I'm dying. Sports Social Podcast Network.